Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the EHE podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Guy and Ross this week. Hi, Guy. Hi, Ross. How are you both? Hi, Nari. Hi, Ross. All good, thank you. Good. Yeah. Ross, you okay? All very good, thank you, yeah. Um, good. Dreary day, but it's good. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. I feel like I'm sitting in the dark, although we are recording this in the middle of the day. I'm just wondering if we've ever done this combination before with you two on the podcast together, have we? We've been saving it for... It was a Christmas be, special. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Christmas special. It's going to yeah. be everything else has been out there before. Yeah, the new dream team. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, bro. So I think one of the things we wanted to talk about today, obviously on the podcast last time, Guy with Gary, we talked about recession, talked about it quite positively about the opportunities it presents for entrepreneurs and you know why it's not necessarily something to be frightened of. And that was very much lent around mindset, opportunities, fast growth, et cetera. But we didn't quite touch on what we might expect to happen in terms of funding trends and for people that are particularly looking for investment over the next 12 months. And I know you two have got a lot of kind of industry insight and kind of anecdotal commentary from investors that you kind of know and work with. So I just thought this week it'd be really interested to talk about that. Maybe Guy, if you wouldn't mind kicking off, just giving us your view in terms of what you expect that funding landscape to perhaps look like over the next 12 months and beyond. Uh, yeah, okay. So there's a few points there. First one is that it will definitely be a tad harder to raise money. But I'm going to qualify that by pointing out some kind of positives from that scenario. One is that I think the first thing you can do to mitigate that a little bit is to look at who you're looking for the funding from. My experience is, and this is a general rule, it's not a you know specific, there's always going to be anomalies out there. But the corporate lenders tend to be, or the corporate funders tend to be a little bit more conservative during a, a recession. So, you know, they've got their existing portfolio to think about. So what they tend to do is kind of hang on to the money. And if they need to spend money, it will be more towards supporting their existing portfolio because they may need extra cash to help them through the worst of this. The good thing is that I don't think this is going to be a long and hard recession. You know, where I'm hoping it's going to be a relatively short-lived recession. Stuff coming from the Bank of England this week indicates that, you know, inflation will be under control by the, the middle of next year and that kind of thing. So hopefully we can get back into some kind of positive growth reasonably quickly. It's going to be nothing like 2008. So that's good news. And I think entrepreneurs should be looking towards maybe the, the high net worth individuals a good company is still a good company, even in a recession. So that's the message, right? And entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs get that. So they're far more likely to see the positives in this kind of situation and far more likely to back you. The other thing that's worth pointing out is I saw a, a graph that was published at one of the big professional services companies. I won't name them in case you get it wrong. And it showed a dramatic decrease in valuations this year. Now, I think entrepreneurs have got to be realistic about the valuation they're going for. I think that's going to be a really important factor. They've got to understand that there is perceived greater risk out there. Money is tighter. Supply and demand dictates that they will really need to be quite realistic about their the valuation. So that's a really important one to take note of. And again, you can mitigate that. It could be that you 
go for a bridging round. So relatively short, small sums of money where you can go to angels and you know, privately wealthy individuals, successful entrepreneurs who do get this whole situation and they will give you money at a, a reasonable rate, probably far better than if you're going for a big raise and save the big raise for when the situation improves. And maybe you're further down the line as well. You might be free revenue at the moment. That extra 12, 18 months runway gives you the opportunity to take revenue and kind of prove your model. So I think the situation does change, but I think as long as you're realistic, there are still definitely opportunities out there. And certainly, you know, my thinking is a good company is always a good company. We've seen a couple over the last couple of weeks that have engaged with EHE that are just fabulous companies, Mm. fabulous opportunities for investors. And we will be pushing them out there as such. And I'm confident we'll get them investment. Ross, anything to add from your point of view? echo exactly what Guy said there. I think ultimately with our entrepreneurial community, it's still all about people. It's still always about how good you can portray what your business proposition is. I think timing is always of the essence in any any sort of downturn in the market. And that relationship in terms of who you are looking for to help you on your journey it's going to be a lot more paramount because of the demands that you have from investors. And I think, you know, that's one thing we've said on the previous podcast that finding the right investor to help you when times are tough outside of the market world is also quite key. I think the one thing I would also add is, it's exactly as, as Guy said, if you're looking to raise quite a large amount of money, but because the market is quite tough, are the better ways of doing it is bite-sized chunks in the short term until there's more stabilization out there as we get through this downturn in the market and quickly come out of it. Because I do agree with Guy, I think it's not going to be long and drawn out. I think it's going to, based on the statistics coming from the, the Bank of England, who I was in touch with only a few weeks ago, actually giving some advice on how on earth I got involved in that. Mm-hmm. But that was from a, a business community point of view, trying to ask them to liaise and, and knit together what the government are trying to do, what general banks are trying to do, and what the Bank of England are trying to do, because inflation is horrendous. I can't remember in my time of working such a high inflation rate, but there are ways and means of how you get around it and, and, and how our entrepreneurs can be able to engage with the right investors for the right levels of investment. I think the other thing will be the scrutiny around their numbers. I think they need to be a lot more sharp, a lot more finessing those numbers. So people will want to be able to review those probably in a bit more detail. You can't have fat in the numbers. It's the end of that value. You can't put too much fat in the numbers, but you've also got to make sure you ask for the right amount that you need as well. So don't leave yourself too short, but also don't have a huge wall chest, as I refer to in business, that, you know, just in case, you know, so there's going to be a bit of a balancing, I think. From my perspective, well, mm. well, thank you, Guy. You touched on business valuation, and Ross. I know we've done a podcast before, haven't we? Around how do you value your business, and it's quite different. There isn't a perfect science, and I know you guys spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs looking at business valuation. I just wanted to sort of get your advice on that bit specifically. Would you expect? I know we talked about having a realistic business valuation, but would you expect entrepreneurs to? Be prepared to be negotiated down more on that on that valuation. Do you expect investors to 
negotiate a bit harder in this phase? Is this what entrepreneurs need to kind of prepare for in the funding rounds? So I kind of go back to the point I made earlier that they do need to be realistic. Listen, even now, even through the good times, the biggest discussion point is almost always the the valuation of companies because most entrepreneurs value the company higher than it's probably worth at that particular point. And I fully understand why I've kind of been there, done it myself. So listen, I get it. But I think it's really important now, as Ross kind of mentioned a minute ago, where you've got to get the balance right. So you want to be bullish, but you don't want to be too bullish. You've just got to try and strike the right note. And that's where you should take the opinions of people like Ross, quite frankly, and Elliot and and Dan and, and John that work with, you know, EHE. They're all seasoned professionals, entrepreneurs, and people who are really good with figures, which I don't count myself as one of those. That's why I always surround myself with people who can do that. But you, you really need to take the advice of people like that who kind of get it. They understand where the market's at at the moment and they will give you good advice, but do expect to negotiate. But I think, again, you know, I'm sure Ross would be able to give some tips on how to negotiate that you know, valuation, what you should be focusing on. But, you know, one of the points I wanted to make, which is kind of in line with, with that and something Ross mentioned is that I always remember Ross telling us on a, it might be in a call it might be in a podcast I don't remember but you always said that the the figures that you produce have to tell a story and they have to tell the same story as your pitch deck so your pitch deck has to have certain bits of information in it it has to tell the story of you know why you are doing what you're doing what your next steps are but ultimately what your vision is and why you think this is a very investable opportunity and the figures have got to kind of correlate to that story that you're telling in the in the pitch deck. So I think getting your front of house, your shop window in order will be even more vital, right? Because investors get hundreds of pitch decks put in front of them every year. And most of them tend to be, they have, let's say all of them will have weaknesses, some more than others. What you have to do is try and minimize those weaknesses and really focus on being the best out of the few hundred that they get put across the desk because that will put you in the best position that they'll even bother to look at it further than the first couple of slides and then, you know, even then hopefully generate a conversation with you. So I think your shot window becomes even more important than it was before because money isn't going to flow as freely as it has been doing. Real. So in terms of the shop window, what's the advice we give to entrepreneurs? Obviously, I know EHE gives a lot of help once we're having those conversations to to really help get that shop window right. And all the entrepreneurs that, that we work with so far are, are hugely grateful for that. But for somebody that's kind of not in that process yet, what advice would we be giving to people about where to make sure they are getting that shop window right? What's the process? Everyone talks about having, you know, a pitch deck that really talks about what your proposition is. I think writing that from the heart and with people minded set, I think is really, really quite powerful. But I think we've, we've said it in our book. We've said it in a number of podcasts. Don't use jargon. Don't use waffle. Get the point across quite quickly. Because exactly as Guy said, a lot of investors are looking at lots and lots of pitch decks. But if they can get that, that message, very successfully through within the first sort of four slides, within the first five to seven minutes. That's what excites investors very, very quickly. What then investors like to do is they go, right, I'm excited about this proposition. I'm excited about 
what they want to do. They want to transform something, but they need help. They need support. They'll then go straight to numbers and go, okay, right, now, how much do they need quickly? How much, how much are they offering up? And, and what are the numbers? Does the numbers back what that excitement is? So I always say to a number of our entrepreneurs we're helping you now and have helped is, is just step back, have a look at what do those two documents say to you and, and maybe use people that you've been brought up with, you know, like you, you'll have contacts, people that you can just bounce off. Does that make sense? Your family, good clubs, contacts, friends, you may have an accountant within, within your group of friends or where they are community can also have not, not necessarily with looking at both things, but do people get it? Do they capture that the numbers tie in with what you're saying? So I'll use an example that we're working on, but as a, as a premise that, you know, we've got someone who's telling us about fast growth, but then I'll look at the, the model, financial models, and then when they go, well, the EBITDA only improves 5% each year. Well, that doesn't tie in for what they've said at the front. Yeah. And investors will just get turned off very quickly. Yeah. But they also don't want to be seen to see that, oh yeah, well, this company is going to treble in size every year, every year for the next five years. That then is just not not permissible. You yeah. Know? You're not going to achieve that. I think somebody helping me, I know in my early days, I tried to bounce off family. You know, I had a, I had a great mother who works in the financial world and I just bounce off. Does that make sense? And she'd just tell me because your mum's always there, quite honest with you. I should tell you how it is. She brought you up in life. And she didn't get it, and she's financially minded. She'll just go, that's crap. Well, this is good. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of opportunities out there to kind of practice your pitch, aren't there? You know, I know obviously Manchester, where, where we're based, I know in London and Birmingham, there are similar kind of pitch deck practices and things to kind of get you into the flow so that when you are you are in front of that opportunity, you are absolutely maximizing it. The final thing I just wanted to ask both of you, but maybe I'll ask you first, Guy, is I know you, I was going to say hang out with a lot of investors, but I know you're you're quite close with a lot of investors and obviously we've been working with them on the EHE side. I just wonder kind of anecdotally whether there was kind of any sort of feedback, suggestions, what might investors be looking for next year or what does the appetite seem like? Any sort of insight that you might got that you could share with us? Yeah, I think you can you can look at COVID as the a lead for this. So, you know, COVID came along, it was a really big shock kind of for everybody because everything shut down all of a sudden and companies had to think on the feet really quickly. And I don't think the recession will be anywhere near as impactful as that, obviously, but you can still take a lead from it in the way that you think about things. So, you know, I'd be looking at, okay, look, this is going to happen. Hopefully it won't be for too long. How can I take advantage of this situation with the business that I'm looking at? Because I think the investors will sit up and listen if you have an answer to this and you know, you've know you thought about how are you going to trade over this first 12, 18 months while the markets are you know, a little bit jittery and then set yourself up for success to come out of that. So as the markets improve and people begin you know, to get more confidence and people start buying stuff again, then are you positioned perfectly to take advantage of that? So, you know, make lots of noise because there are fewer companies making noise in a downturn. So, you know, stand up there and bang the dustbin lids and, you know, shout about what you're doing. Write blogs, do conferences, do podcasts and all that kind of really good stuff. Spend time, you know, as you said, A, researching on how to produce a good pitch deck, how to 
know, plan what your strategy is going to be. I'm just going to do a shameless plug for a couple of things because I think they're genuinely mm-hmm. really useful resources. Not the fast growth through funding book, which kind of covers a lot of this kind of stuff. There is a section on pitch decks there are, and strategy and so on. You know, I would go on Amazon and, and, and look at that. We do not make any money out of selling these books. They are there purely to help entrepreneurs because that's really what we're all about. We've got a whole plethora of, I think it's like, I don't know, is it HR podcast now? I can't remember, but it's... This might be the 80th, I think. Yeah. There we go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some really useful information in there. Now, the ones that, you know, there's some specific ones, which I think Nairi will identify in time. Yeah, I can call them out. And be a link to the relevant podcast that we've done. But there's one in particular that... Elliot and Ross did that I really enjoyed on Pitch Decks and there's several on strategy and that kind of thing. So I think there's a ton of things that entrepreneurs can can do to prepare themselves. And do you know what? There is also advantages of a recession. And one of them is the, the labor market becomes less expensive. So we've seen over the last few years, labor being, you know, finding the right people at the right money has been really difficult. You've seen how many tech jobs, for example, are, are, are being shedded at the moment from the big organizations. And these are the organizations that have been draining the market of really talented people by paying them astronomical wages. So it becomes a little bit of a leveler. So, you know, what you might find is that there are more people available of a higher caliber that are willing to work with you on a project like this than there were, you know, even six months ago. So, you know, there are certain things that come out of a labor market. It, it levels certain things and, you know, makes life a little bit easier for, from that perspective. And Ross, anything from your point of view in terms of conversations with investors, what they might be looking for? Not final word on. Yeah, I think just a final word that, uh, as we said, the recession is just a point in time. Investments are, are never going to go away. So investors will always look for the right investments to back entrepreneurs. They are going to be a lot more cautious around risk and the impact. I think the only one thing I have seen is if our entrepreneurs have got a product that helps businesses reduce costs, then that has more traction in these sort of difficult times, I find personally, than others that are focused excruciatingly on an initial period of like sales generation. The sales generation is going to be tough probably in the next year. But if it is helping businesses reduce their costs, so their, their product is going to help them reduce costs. It's phenomenal. But the backwards will look at those and just go, you know, that's game changing. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, I did over, over the COVID period was set up two new businesses, this being one of them, EHE being one of them. And it, it, it proved to be a really good time to build stuff and prepare for when they will got back to normal again. So just seize the opportunity. Now is actually probably a really good time to begin to build a business. But as you know, Ross said before, you know, when you try and do friends and family rounds and, and get the business going and get it set up. And if you do have to go to investors, go for smaller chunks and then only go for the larger amounts of money. As you begin to trade, you prove the model and the market conditions are better and you're going to get a better valuation. Well, thank you both. That was really interesting. I'm sure entrepreneurs or anybody kind of 
looking forward to 2023 we'll we'll find that hugely beneficial so thank you for sharing that with us i will link the other podcast that you mentioned guy in the description box and obviously it does feel like we ought to give another plug for ehe if you are looking for investment next year and you want to have kind of somebody kind of walk you through the pitch deck and kind of what looks good what might need some work then obviously please do submit your details onto the ehe website because we do look at every single one that comes through and we spend a lot of time with founders getting them ready for for fast growth and investment so we'd love to hear your your story so thank you both very much hopefully i'll see you soon back on the podcast in a in a week or so thanks guy thanks yeah, ross fantastic. see you later thank you thank you thanks thank you for listening to this episode of extraordinary entrepreneurs together visit the ehe capital website ehe.capital for further insights and to join the ehe community